This is Dick Cuffle. You're listening to Echo Zoe Radio, episode 41 for September 2011, and the topic is Husbands, Love Your Wives. Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio. I'm your host, Andy Olson, proprietor of EchoZoe.com and president of Echo Zoe Ministries. Thanks for joining me for episode number 41 for September 2011. This month, my guest is my friend, Dick Cuffel. Dick is an elder at Twin City Fellowship and was the co-host of Critical Issues Commentary, the radio ministry of Twin City Fellowship that has been on hiatus for about a year. Our topic for this episode is Husbands Love Your Wives from Ephesians 5.25. Dick put this material together to teach an adult Sunday school at church later this month and sat down to talk about it with me. Before we get started, I'd like to get a few things out of the way. You may have noticed as I open, I describe myself as president of Echo Zoe Ministries. Echo Zoe is growing, and over the last few months, we've been working on formalizing its structure as a ministry. Echo Zoe is now incorporated as a nonprofit organization in the state of Minnesota, and we're currently in the process of filing our 501c3 status with the IRS. While I've never formally solicited support for Echo Zoe, there is a lot that goes into formal filings, and your support would be greatly appreciated, not just financial, but spiritual and material as well. For details on how you can support Echo Zoe Ministries, please visit echozoe.com support. On another note, I would love to hear from you. Visit echozoe.com contact and send me an email, or find the Echo Zoe page on Facebook at facebook.com slash Ministries, all one word. You can follow Echo Zoe on Twitter at, at Echo Zoe, or my personal account at at AVGandy. I'm also on Google+, and you can find my profile at gplus.to slash Andy Olson, that's G-P-L-U-S dot T-O slash A-N-D-Y-O-L-S-O-N. Also, if you'd like, I would love to get postcards from my listeners. If you'd like to send me an old-fashioned letter or a postcard, you can send it to Echo Zoe Ministries, P.O. Box 27465, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55427, USA. There are a lot of M states, and keeping their abbreviations straight can be confusing. Minnesota is MN. You can also find that address at echozoe.com contact. With that, we'll get into my conversation with Dick Cuffel on Husbands Love Your Wives. Well, welcome, Dick. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you. So today we're talking about Husbands Love Your Wives. Yep, despite the fact that we're dealing with two plurals there. (laughs) One husband, one wife. Nice. Nice to clarify. Uh, So I wanted to start by talking a little bit about, I don't know if I talk about it very often, but how I go about choosing a guest or subject to, to talk about, but I approached you a few months ago and said, Dick, uh, it would be fun to do a podcast. Would you be interested? And, and I said, uh, I would be interested, but we've sure. got to come up with a topic. We've got to come up with a topic. And uh, you and I are pretty good friends, so and you're, I very much respect you as an elder at the church and a good friend, and I just left it up to you. 
Well, it happened that along the, the way, this is over a period of years, that we've touched on the teachings of uh, Titus, Timothy, anything to do with husbands, and we've pointed to the scriptures and we've done some things with it, but it's been much more from an exegetical point of view, an expository point of view, instead of a, how do you practically do that in your life? We don't do a lot of how-to in our church. And I really felt that this is a topic we should explore a little more. And it's it's an interesting one. I've been going over You're going to do this as a Sunday school later in the month at Twisted Fellowship. And so you've given me some of your materials to prep. And uh, definitely an interesting one. I think it was a good one to pick. It's one that I uh, almost need to hear as a listener as much as anyone, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so don't, don't we all? Anyone listening, we're going in, uh, I'm, I'm certainly not the expert on this one, but um, it's also, I think I mentioned to you before we got started that uh, I, I've been talking to my wife about doing this interview. She's home right now on maternity leave, kind of an aside. I, I closed last episode by saying I'd be back in September with uh, another episode and, and a new baby boy, and on August 24th, we had Asher as our third son and so she's home now with me and so we set aside some time to do the podcast and the interesting thing was is she's never asked me what we we're going to talk about <laughs> oh boy and this is one that i thought you know if she asks me i'll tell her but i don't know if i want to offer it <laughs> you know there's an aspect of what we're going to be discussing that's talking about sharing the load <laughs> so talk about uh, uh you know coles to newcastle yeah and if we have issues between us in our marriage that's that's one thing we butt heads on is oh it's a tough one is sharing loads and um, okay so. hey we're gonna have some fun with this i think so uh you, let's start out you uh we're saying that you were inspired by an article you came across in the star tribune well it's interesting you know how when something is on your mind and it's the only thing you're thinking about, then all of a sudden everything looks like it is germane, <laughs> mm -hmm. really is going to play? But there really was an article, um, is written by Peter Mandel in uh, the Star Trib, Minneapolis Star Trib, on uh, July 27th this year. And it's called It's Totally a Guy Thing. Now, you're going to have to bear with me a little if you would, please. You know, I'm going to mm -hmm. read parts of this. But I actually emailed Mandel to tell him that I was going to be using this, and he just wrote back very complimentary, saying, thank you, most of the people complain <laughs> about what I write. <laughs> so I thought, okay, let me give you a couple highlights from what he had to say. He says, let's get it right out on the table, right up front. I'm a guy and not apologetic about it. I'm a person with a paunch, with bristly whiskers that my wife wants shaved, I won't, and a tendency to talk about myself a lot. And I can be loud. But here's the thing. Now and then I listen, too. I catch the ads between the innings. I watch the headlines. I see handwriting on the wall. Okay, and he goes on a little bit later on. He says, we don't read much, but we see the covers of the new books on the shelves, The Decline of Men by Guy Garcia, Guy Land by Michael Kimmel, and Save the Males, Why Men Matter, Why Women Should Care by Kathleen Parker. Books about us about our fumbles in school, in college. For the first time, there are more co-eds than men enrolled, and even as adults. And it goes on and on with a number of those kind of things. And then he says, there's a few hot-off-the-press ideas. One of them, guys need extra attention and understanding. He says, bingo, right on target. Our sisters and moms and wives seem way too busy with all of their jobs and chores. Basically, aren't paying enough attention to us. Another one, 
We need even more freedom in school to squirm around and just be boys. Sure, we agree. You know, let's, let's go out and do that kind of a thing. Men are being punished by a feminized, girl-focused culture. He goes on with a couple of those things. Another one, trying to civilize us guys is really an attempt to turn us into women with whiskers. Anyway, he's saying, you know, you women ought to be working harder about this thing. You're not doing quite enough. Keep going. Take over the whole thing. And the age of the total guy emancipation is approaching, Final his final statement. My buddies and I are flicking the channels. We say, bring it on. Okay, in a sense, it's kind of a horrible article, but it's tongue-in-cheek. The guys mm-hmm. are sort of laughing at the culture, but we have programs, sitcoms, whatever you want to call them, that put the male in just a bizarre role, a very weak role, always a strong female, strong children, dumb, inadequate, weak male. Mm-hmm. Okay, now let me bridge to a second thing, and then you know we'll, we'll get into where you want to go with this, but i got to set the base. The second part of it is goes back probably 20 years ago, maybe 30. I mean, I have no idea. But I was sitting in an ad agency in Chicago. I used to work for a major corporation, and I was part of a group that when we came up with a new product, we worked with the ad agency. We went into their offices, and for a break at lunch, they said, let us show you what we're doing with Bud Light. Okay, that was new, and that was a beer that was coming on the market, and it was a thing. They had 10, maybe 15 of these one-minute commercials. And we sat there and went through them, and they usually were, they were a, an athlete who had come to sort of the end of the career and rose to a magnificent occasion and really was a star. Okay, at the end of these things, you almost had a tear. This is a beer ad. When they came over afterward to talk to us about what, what they had shown us, they said every one of these ads had 60 messages. One minute, 60 seconds. We were getting one message a second effectively. They knew the culture. They had looked at exactly what they wanted to have done. Now, take back that, that article that Mandel wrote, take a look at that, and take a look at what are they telling us. That's what they see in the culture. Where did it come from? The bottom line, I say, husbands, we need help. If this is in any way true about us, we got to fix it. That's where we come to today. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one thing I came across fairly recently, but I can't remember where or why, but was Eric preaching at church, I want to say, about women in leadership as judgment upon men? I don't recall. (laughs) Maybe that's my own defense. Well, that's what I want to say. I I think it might have been, you know, a a sermon at church, but like I said, I can't remember. I've got so much going on in the last month Well, there is a scripture that talks about the idea of, and women shall lead you. Yeah, and I think that's where yes. he hit in the sermon, and and it wasn't, it, it was a sign of judgment, but it wasn't like, it wasn't what most people think when they think of of judgment. It was it wasn't to put the women down; it was to put the men down. It was to show, look, you're not doing your job, and so I'm just going to give give over to the women to do your job. Basically, well, it's, it's an interesting concept. The two things: uh, one is a number of years ago, I. Knew a man who's a sociologist, a pretty good one, and he used to talk about women's need for security. Mm-hmm. And his point was that if you men aren't providing it, they will provide it, whatever it takes. They will be secure. And to the degree that we have laid down something, I mean, the schools right now, I understand, are the colleges are about sixty percent female, forty percent male. And there was stuff in this article that would have given you some other numbers about. Even the leaving home thing, the women are way ahead of the men in who leaves home, gets a job, does things. Mm-hmm. And 
it pretty much says we've got a little bit of a hole here in the society. Mm-hmm. We're not Definitely. doing our job. Yeah, we got to step up. Yeah, and it, it's oftentimes can be cutting in my life. As you know, I'm a stay-at-home dad, and my wife uh, goes to work, and um, it can be difficult for us at times. She's inclined to stay home with the kids, yet that's what I'm the one doing. Yet, on the other hand, she's got such a good job. She makes such a good income. I couldn't possibly dream of uh, switching the roles. You know, It's not as easy as me just going out and getting some resumes out and, and just get a job, and a week later she can come home and, and work because I can't make what she makes. And uh, see, a lot of there's a lot of pressure that goes along with those roles, and it and, and as Christians, we deal with um, wanting to be in more of a traditional biblical role. And, and as a man, it's kind of built into me to want to provide for my family. And as a woman, it's kind of built into her to be the nurturer. I don't have answers for that one, but before we're finished, I think we're going to touch on all of it. And right. then you get to see if the shoe fits, and <laughs> we'll go from there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I bring it up kind of to say that, you know, we're going to go through this topic and we're going to discuss kind of what the Bible says and, and how to apply is really what you developed is how to apply this in our lives. But that doesn't mean that we've both got it figured out, you know. Working I, with it. And we're leaning on some giants, the people that we're using, the people that have written about this that have done a very good job. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not a sociologist, but I do try to pay attention <laughs> to a few people who have studied this. Yeah. So let's jump into uh, our ideal. You've got in our materials here that... You know, it was real simple. If you look at your father, I'm sure he did a good job. My dad, I'm sure he did a good job. I mean, given the material he had, did the best he could. Okay, mm-hmm. but he wasn't perfect. And so we, we sort of look at it and say, yes, we learned a lot. We can learn a lot from good fathers. And for those that don't have good fathers, it's like, oops. You can learn from them too. We can learn, yeah, things not to do. learn from the other side. But the ideal is going to be Jesus Christ, the husband, the church, the bride. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the statement made, which I'll go to probably several times in our discussion today, is really Ephesians 5.25, and that's where the title of the, what we're talking about today is, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Gave himself up for her. That's what that love looks like. And once we start thinking in terms of, instead of, it's not my job, it's your job, and da, 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 instead of that, be looking at gave himself up for her, it might help us bridge some of the tougher areas of our lives. I usually go back to what the, you know, our first contact in this thing was really, what did you agree to when you got married? Mm-hmm. You know, and my guess is uh, we got married in a church and probably even outside. I don't know what the outside ones look like. <laughs> but we talked about the idea, when we got started, we were called to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death to us part. Something very close to that. You ever look at how many ifs there are in there? I haven't, but that's an interesting point. <laughs> Not too many, huh? <laughs> no. Okay, there are none. That's good. A quick story. I think it's funny. It was really kind of interesting in my own life. Mm-hmm. My wife and I were going through this right in the middle of our wedding. She'd already made her statement. Now I'm making mine. I think is how it works out. And we got to for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health. And when I'm doing rote things, I t- my mind wanders. I mean, it's just a thing about me. And all of a sudden, those words had been spoken by the man marrying us. 
And my mind went blank, and I almost had to say, uh, would you repeat that, please? <laughs> Which I think probably would have brought down my wife, the front four rows, and who knows what else. <laughs> we got past it, I remembered, and we got through. But no ifs. No ifs. It just says, hey, we've committed to this thing. Let's get it done. Mm-hmm. That's where we are. Okay. You've got a quote here by Alistair Begg. I like Alistair Begg. He's, uh, is he Scottish, I believe? His, his, I want to say Scottish, his, but I, I'm afraid to commit on that his, one. Brogue, his brogue would suggest that, and he's a, a wonderful teacher. Comes over here. I think he has a... Uh, I think he's got a church, church in Ohio. In Ohio. That's right. Okay. He made this statement. He says it's got to do with the commitment. There is no more precious gift entrusted to a man than the treasure of his wife. She is to be admired and prized above all others. She is to have first place in his heart, mind, and affections. She is to be given special care and attention that leaves no doubt of her husband's esteem. Now, I'm uh, quite a few years into marriage, 47, and, uh, you know, I can, for whatever reason, that just sounds wonderful to me and perfect and of course, Mm -hmm. okay? But I know that in the first years of marriage, there's, there's a little bit of two people are still coming together sort of trying to figure some things out. And yeah, I think reading that thing a few times might really be helpful. Yeah, we're going on seven right now. Are you? Okay. I think we're still in that phase to some well, degree. you know, you got a lot of things going, and the, the kids and are... you add kids? Or? Yes. Oh, it's huge. Well, <laughs> I think I think it's a good statement, and uh, yeah. Big has many of those. Well, let's break it down. You, you've got each of the different aspects of that quote talk about eyes for her alone ears for her alone lips for her alone hands for her alone well i started with ears and he didn't Uh, i flipped his order a little bit and uh you ever heard helen keller's comment on this no i haven't somebody asked her she was both blind and uh deaf Mm -hmm. and said which of these is the greater impairment and she said my eyes keep me from things. My ears keep me from people. And she would have chosen if she could have had one thing, hearing. That's why I started with ears. Okay. And I thought about this, and I, you know, this is my own experience also, so you get a little bit of that in there. The whole world of communication is so important, and I think so important to the women. Mm-hmm. That's my impression. In a simple thing in our house, I've learned along the lines, and this is... <laughs> what I said I wouldn't be doing, but, you know, my wife would forgive me for this one. But the simple thing I found out from others, and uh, our daughters pointed this out to me too, that we're not talking about just we're talking. It's face-to-face, listening, responding with adequate stuff. It's really an act of love. And what I'm getting after is just the idea that some guys have told me about the fact that, hey, we have date night. We go out to a restaurant every, you know, Wednesday or whatever they do. And then I find out that when they go out, they take their, in the old days of Palm Pilot, they go out, they take their Blackberry, their iPhone, whatever it is, and while they're sitting at the table, they're running that, doing texting, doing a bunch of other things. They're texting each other? Yes, they're, you know, they're <laughs> in the presence of their wife. They are out for mm-hmm. a dinner, but they are not communicating. It doesn't count for her. It doesn't count for them. As all it does is check off some list. That's garbage. Mm-hmm. Come on. Anyway, it's just, <laughs> I look at this thing. Here's what Beg does. You know, 
I'll, I'll let you throw in a question eventually, but there, watch this sequence, okay? Two comments on page 150 of Lasting Love. That's his book, okay? He says, no meaningful communication, no tenderness, no understanding, no sweetness, no listening, no sensitivity, no response, no wonder. I read that thing and I thought, wow, what an indictment. Mm-hmm. You like that list? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, what a condemnation. But it just is a call that somehow or another, it's not unfair for a woman to expect to talk to the guy that when they were dating, they talked. Mm-hmm. You know, she was interesting then. What made her less interesting? Yeah, come on. Wake up, guys. That's my call. So... The women are cheering. The guys are saying, "Don't get serious." <laughs> okay, that's good. Talk well, I think I it. mentioned before we started that, that um, I think the first thing that came to my mind when we set out to do this topic was, "How do I do it without injecting too much of my own experience?" And how do I ask questions without implying that it comes from personal experience necessarily? And some do, some do, and some don't. But. Well, the other part, though, is that we do read things, you know, and, and we get challenges and we hear things in churches and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even just because I'm bringing up a thing doesn't mean that I'm st- struggled through it in my life that I'm currently. Right, at, right. And yeah. you either, no. And and we have our struggles in our marriage, but I think, you know, we, we try to set some time together to talk. And, and I think that while there's definitely room for improvement, it's not one of our greater struggles. And... This is just a call to attention, you know? Right, yeah. I, yeah. That's all we're doing. I, I'm just reflecting on, on what's going on. And yeah, I like it. Kind of sharing a little bit. and You know, on that on that same thing, you remember I mentioned the Helen Keller thing? Mm-hmm. My mother had a problem with hearing. It's, it's a thing in the family, and, you know, I'd love to be able to get to be 100 without having to deal with it. But my mom was in her 90s, and uh, she was struggling with the hearing, and she uh, sat down, and one time we were having a cup of coffee, and she said, you know, if I had options, I'd rather be blind. And I couldn't believe it, but she's such a people person. And she knew that the only people that she could really talk to in the final years had to do with the people that were close to her and really loved her. They were the only ones that would put up with how difficult it is to communicate. Mm-hmm. And hearing aids and all that would not have worked. And so it was kind of tough. So anyway, communication is real. Yeah, it's, I'm thinking about Ray Comfort and his approach to sharing the gospel and, and showing somebody what their life is worth. And what he'll often do is he'll ask, um, you know, for a million dollars, would you pluck out one of your eyeballs? And we'll replace, we'll put a glass eye in there. So you won't, you won't appear any different than you do right now, but you just won't be able to see out of one eye. And you know, nobody says they'll take it. You know, Everyone says that their eye is worth more than a million dollars. It's interesting to hear that those who have sight but not hearing would gladly trade. It's, well, it's interesting in my experience, and I at the time I said no, 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 and she said, "Yeah, I wow. think it, I think it's real." Okay. Yeah. In our world, it's kind of a simple thing in the sense that communication two parts. One is be sure that we make time to be able to speak to our partner, mm-hmm. and the other, it, and I mean wife. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we have, we take time to speak to our wife, but also to listen. The other thing is that in our society, for whatever reason, people tend to say things three times. Maybe they don't listen the first two, and I think it's made worse by these talk show programs where nobody listens. They just talk over each other. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like we're creating this problem if it hadn't been there to begin with. That's a good point. It's goofy. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about eyes. We said there was a list of four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to go there. Let's, let's okay. go from ears to eyes. Well, the eyes was an interesting thing, and especially when you're dealing with men, because when you go to a checkout, I know. Do you do the grocery shopping, by the way? or do you I do, actually. Okay. I, I do. The checkout counter is like porn alley. I mean, it is. it's bizarre for the pictures. Okay, but it's not just the magazines or Victoria's Secret if you go for a walk in a major mall. But the whole concept of comparing your wife to other women, it's like mm-hmm. uh, the matchup thing with the elevator eyes and all the stuff like that is, come on, guys, hold it. This isn't right. And probably the worst of them all is the availability of porn especially on the internet mm-hmm. and the proximity if you travel i mean it's in every hotel and every place else i mean it's just bizarre and the reason that and i'll, I'll just jump to the porn thing the rest of it we know better it's, it's a sin we shouldn't be doing it the porn thing is dangerous it is. do you remember the story about net uh ted bundy yes ted bundy yes i do serial killer yep. and he was interviewed by james dobson and Bundy said it all started with this, and then he kept looking for greater excitement, mm-hmm. and it ended up killing people, and became a serial killer. He blames it on that. Man, I couldn't believe it, but I'm just saying, there's something more to this thing, and getting involved in that, it's like, guys, we shouldn't be there. Right. Yeah, that's an issue that I think is very real. Um, I feel so incredibly blessed uh, to not have a problem with it personally. Um, I don't personally know anybody who's confided and told me they have had a problem with it but i know that it's there we hear the statistics all the time about we can't quote statistics but i'm remembering 50 percent of something it's like this is all over the place and mm. it's not uh, a respecter of age groups no it's, it's huge it, i think it hits hard at adolescence pre-adolescence and it only gets worse in a lot of guys and all I can say is there, but for the grace of God, you know. Oh, amen. Uh, I don't have a problem, but I, I'm smart enough to know that I could. You know, and the other part of that thing is that it's so demeaning to our wives. Yeah, and that's one of the things I think about all the time is that I I love my wife enough that I shouldn't go there. Amen. And not just my wife, but my kids. And I love the Lord enough that he's done enough for me that I don't don't want to go there. Yes. Well, it's one of those that when we said eyes for her alone, we mean that. Mm-hmm. And it's wherever they're going that they shouldn't be. That's something that every man should take a look at and say, confess it as sin. By the way, it's not uh, a disorder or a problem. It's a sin. Okay? Mm-hmm. Confess it as sin. Turn away from the sin. Ask the Lord for his help. Commit to fight it. And if you need it, be accountable to someone. You know, if, mm-hmm. it, if it means sitting down with an elder and saying, hey, I got a problem here, would you ask me about how I'm doing with it once in a while? Let's talk about this thing. Do it. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Okay, anyway. Yeah, and I'm also so. thankful. I don't want to linger on this topic too long, but I'm also thankful to be in America on this subject because having traveled overseas, you know, it's it's just disgusting in some cases. What other cultures? Worse? Oh, yeah. Yeah, far worse. You know, I spent a month in Europe last year, and we had to be very careful where our eyes went and wow. what we experienced and what TV channel we had on because they don't have the standards that we have with with our television and with, um, you know, back in 2002, I believe it was, I took a trip to Israel for two weeks. 
and I had a layover at the Frankfurt airport and I was surprised at just what was for sale in the airport out in the open. It's stuff that in America would have a separate store and you'd have to be 18 or 21 years old to even get in. They had it just sitting off to the side. And and our time in Germany last year, we went into it was kind of like a German equivalent of a Kmart or a Walmart. And the magazine racks. I mean, here we have plastic coverings over our, our magazines. They don't have that there. It's oh. just out in the open, and it's well, the bottom line is if she's a tre- she is a treasure, um, she must know that you have only eyes for her alone. That's it. Done, right? Mm-hmm. We had two others. One was lips for her alone, and that, that kind of a world, it's kind of interesting. It kind of ties to the ears thing. But the water cooler at work is a really interesting place, and it's kind of the place where everybody shares their life if they are a troubled individual and they find that uh, you as a guy are a good listener and maybe at home it isn't so much that way and all of a sudden you're in a world you don't need to be in. So it's like, careful folks. Our wives have to be reassured that our lips belong to them alone and it means even limiting the compliments, uh, not comparing them to anybody else. They don't need that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even sometimes the comments on appearances, like, wow, uh, that doesn't quite work. That's a comparison. Whether you think of it or not, it's a comparison. Careful. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think it's right. And flirting. It's become part of our society in many ways, but it isn't going to make our wives feel any more comfortable. I think, right. I think it's something to be careful about. Yeah. A little bit is my own impression. but well, that's, a, that's a very good point, and I'm glad you just uh, explained lips for her alone because... Of course, the first thing I'm thinking oh. is... <laughs> <laughs> Who are you running around kissing? Exactly. Yeah, yeah don't be doing that. Okay. A little <laughs> bit of it, obvious, too. Huh? You know, that hands for her alone part of it, which was, mm-hmm. again, part of beg, was that it's just caution. And it has to do with the fact that women respond to touch. Guys are just trying to be friendly, but it might be misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. So it could be misinterpreted, good or bad. But uh, your wife should never, our wives should never fear competition. So better not to be doing that. Anyway, interesting list, I thought, and uh, I give Alistair credit. I thought he opened up some pretty good discussion. Mm-hmm. Shall we move on into leadership? Well, I think that's kind of the natural thing. You know, if we're paying attention to who we are and we're, we're making sure that our wife is a treasure and she knows it, there's some aspect of what we have to do where we bring it home that says, okay, I'm contained now, you can be comfortable with who I am, But I also have a role here that says we're going this direction. We as a family, you and I as a couple, the whole thing, that somebody's got to be leading. And somebody will lead. I mean, if if it isn't uh, the person that the Lord designates, which is the husband, to lead, she'll take over and she'll do a good job. But it isn't going to lead to exactly what's supposed to be happening. And the simple thing is he's responsible. A lot of reasons for it. Man, we could go into a lot of lists on that one. Somebody has to be in charge. We have some issues in our government right now where there's a lot of challenges to leadership. Are we being led or are we not? And interesting that people look around and they say, we want to be led. Well, a family wants to be led. They want to know that, the kids want to know that we are being cared for by our parents. Between the parents, I guess, at least according to these guys, and I think I'll take their word for it, that they're looking for the man to be in charge 
but boy, has this thing got a lot of words that go with it, like love, mm-hmm. <laughs> not being a dictator, all this stuff. And the trouble is, is we have we have made things so difficult in that world, it's hard to even get a hearing on this, because we're going to talk about submission eventually, maybe not today, but we're certainly going to do it when we do it at church. Mm-hmm. That word, submission, you kidding me? It, it's going to be a firestorm unless it's explained. So we have to get there. Yeah, I think I mentioned to you, um, I don't know if it was last Sunday when we kind of talked about the subject, or at some point along the line, that uh, when you go back to the, the verses in Ephesians that talk about husbands loving your wives, and, and then the follow-up to that is wives submit your husbands, that I've long been of the opinion that, that what the Lord's doing there is he's asking each to do what is easy for the other to do. <laughs> it's true. And more difficult for themselves. You know, it's, it's easy, especially speaking in a historical basis, one of the better aspects of common or current American culture is that I think spouses do love each other more than than they did in in uh, generations past. Our marriages were more an arrangement of convenience or a kind of a social construct that was just you're, that's what people did. But I think it's e- it is nevertheless easier for a wife to love her husband it is easier for a husband to submit to his wife yeah i mean think about it we've got the every married guy has heard the expression happy wife happy life right (laughs) doesn't that imply a certain amount of submission that well you know there's many things that you've just introduced but one (laughs) of them is which love are you talking about agape and phileo and you know we go on eros Mm -hmm. okay and the word, when you're going back to the scriptures in Ephesians, is agape. And there's got a lot of service involved in that love, which is really kind of interesting, you know? It, which means giving I up a lot I can hear of my wife right now. <laughs> okay. So, uh, we were engaged, and I believe it was her sister gave her a book regarding love languages, I think was what it was described yes, as. Yes, I've heard of it. The different, uh, different ways that you can show love to your your spouse or and the thing she's drawn most to that she feels most loved in is service acts of service interesting mm-hmm. okay if we get <laughs> if we get to load sharing we'll get to that part of it <laughs> i want to go back to the ephesian thing that you touched on mm-hmm. for just a moment the be subject to one another uh in the fear of christ be subject to one another in the fear of christ is ephesians five twenty one, and that's kind of the general that's everybody. That's Christians. Be subject to one another. It's kind of the attitude that we should have, you and I, uh, the people in the church, you know, how do we relate to one another? It's not from a dominant role or such a position or any of that kind of perspective. It's submit one to another. All right? Nobody lords it over anybody else. A special application of that is the next verse, wives be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Okay, so now it kind of brings it home, but it's in the context that the husband loves the wife and all the things that Christ does, gave himself up for her. That's the context for that relationship. So on the one hand, yeah, there may be a question of she's to submit, but it has to be in a situation. The whole idea is that we are loving and doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. It'd be a little bit easier, I think, to submit to somebody like that instead of Lord High King Tyrant, 
who's saying my way or the highway and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, just indulging in whatever he wants to do. That's why going back to what I said before about each being easier for the other. Bingo. That I, I've always, uh, even long before I got married, I've always thought between the two, the husband's got the more difficult task. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'll go with that. And, and Sure, my mind's changing after being married for sure. seven years. You know, it's, it's, it's not hard to, to love my wife, but. It's easy to respect her because men do that, but right. lo- love in the sense of lay down all my little toys and all the rest of my thing is tougher. Yeah, but I when you've it. got if she's doing what the scripture tells her to do and she's submitting, it is so easy to to get into that uh, dictatorial lordship kind of attitude, mm-hmm. and uh, that command to love her really puts that back into perspective. And that's why we're talking to the men first. <laughs> we'll get around to the excellent wife first, a little later huh? on. That's true. Well, you know, we're talking about leadership, and, and the idea was a shepherd leader. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is out of Scott's work or Beggs, but the list was, that he had for this thing, if we're going to be a shepherd leader, not a cowboy, not standing in the back with a whip and cracking things and saying, go that way, but a shepherd who's leading and people follow, was know where you're going, know where you're going, that's an important thing, and I'm talking education, spiritual, family relationships, the whole thing, all right? Lead lovingly, lead by example, learn how to oversee. That's a kind of an interesting thing. Be involved, you know, not shouting from the rear, but actually in there, working with the kids, working with wife. Uh, be diligent in your responsibility. Protect your little flock. Provide, you mentioned that before, which is our role. Instruct, our role can be delegated you know, our wives can do an awful lot of teaching and all the rest of it, but nonetheless, we're responsible to make sure it's happening around there. Correct when it's necessary. Even our wives, lovingly, but kids, for sure, we got to be involved in the discipline and all the stuff there. And restore, receiving help. Sometimes people just plain fall off the wagon. They do something bad, and we have to deal with it. But that doesn't mean we throw them to the wolves. Restore them. That's our job. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Yeah. Not easy. Yeah. Okay. We're in this we together. We could talk all day about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, leadership is big, and, I, and I, I really do think it falls to the men to do that, and uh, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So what kind of things uh, get in the way? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. You know the title of I mean, that. we all know what gets in the okay, way, but well, can we talk about those things? Well, you know, you start off, Psalm, 19, Psalm 119, verse 2 said, Blessed. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. Okay, all their heart. And what's man's heart is thoughts, intentions, beliefs, desires, attitudes, the whole thing. And the number of things that get between us and God are immense, enormous, multitudinous, whatever the word would be. And it's called idolatry. But, you know, is it really possible that we would have idols (laughs) idols <laughs> okay you got any i'm uh, more than i care to list <laughs> isn't it it's it's so easy mm. you know you go to a party just a neighborhood thing where somebody's sitting down and having a cup of coffee even and you end up hearing about uh the boat that they just bought and all that went into the purchase of it the cleaning up of the thing and then all the weekends all the stuff just to use the boat etc Mm-hmm. And you think, my goodness, I mean, how do you take time for all this? Or you talk to a person who's really hooked on golf, and they're getting, that's five, six hours 
for that outing. Another thing I'm blessed not to Whatever. Do. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, anyway, I looked at the, the uh, what what is it to worship, okay? Mm-hmm. Just the, the title, and again, I'm stealing from these guys. But what we worship, we adore, sacrifice for, focus on, submit to, seek after, hope in, serve, give to, speak about, look for two for peace and meaning and happiness we spend a great deal of amount of we spend a great amount of thought and time and energy and resources on oh my goodness how many things do we do that with and it's like oh man time to clean up the act folks and we had some examples security material things knowledge control wealth jobs success ourselves good health other gods and the cults another person man I gave up. It was like anything can be an idol, it seems, mm-hmm. if we just let it get distorted in our life. And how does this tie into loving our wives, having an idol versus... Because all of a sudden, instead of she's important, she's a treasure, the family's a treasure, we're doing our job, we're off here with this toy, whatever it happens to be, and we're getting quite fulfilled by this toy, but we're totally... We're abdicating our responsibility because we want to do this toy because it's more important to us. Mm-hmm. That's where the tie-in comes. And it's huge. I think it's scary. Trouble is, is in my world, it could be knowledge very much. I mean, you know, I just kind of look around and say, I'd like to be a little smarter. I'd like to know more. I find everything interesting, so I'm off on bunny trails all over the place. Mm-hmm. Just got to rein it in. Hey, you know, get the focus right and then put the priorities right. We'll be okay. But it's like, heads up, tough zone. Are we at all concerned with the fulfillment of loving our wives becoming that idol in and of itself? Hmm. Interesting question. You know, oh boy. We don't usually have that problem. (laughs) Okay. I think there's a possibility of imbalance. Mm -hmm. That would be the biggest risk in that one. Put her on a pedestal and all the rest of it. But the trouble is, is more than likely there's some zones where maybe she needs uh, adjustment. And we love her so much we would never say anything about it. Or that we're so bent on doing everything right in that context, we forget about the kids or something else. We get some things distorted. Some or another, truly loving, is going to be, it's going to be some balancing. But yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's not typically a, a problem most uh, men have, but probably worth mentioning. I would agree. I would agree. So what's a, a pr- more practical way that we could talk about loving our wives? I'll give you an example out of my college years. Kind of an interesting thing. guy's name is Sam Mackerel. That's his real name. He was the head of the outdoor crew, the water crew, and I was working for the water department in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Great. Okay. okay. I used to, on Friday afternoons, stop by and see the superintendent, and we were having a little chat talking big about, uh, you know, what would Paul do or something. He was a pretty good scripture guy. And uh, we got to talking about marriage. Sam stuck his head in the door, and Fred, my mentor, uh, said, Sam, just a second. We've got a good question here. What do you think the most important thing in marriage is? And Sam said, right now, it's mowing the lawn. See ya. Okay. <laughs> he walked out. And it's funny, of all the things that he ever said, that's the only thing I remember right now when I think about Sam Mackerel. But the simple thing is it's, it's about load sharing. And I think that's an important part in what we do in our house. Now, I lean an awful lot on my wife for a lot of stuff. She's taken over a bunch of things that she just does all the time, and I never do any of it. 
But there's some things that I do all the time she never does either. But for instance, mowing the grass, trimming the hedge, cleaning the gutters, uh, changing batteries and the smoke detectors, carrying the laundry to the machine if it really gets that bad, which is very rare. <laughs> but, um, you know, clearing the dirty dishes. Uh, I w- worked in the food business. I do dishes all the time. I did them in a career. I mean, we don't even use a dishwasher just to show you how bad things are in our little world. But, you know, it, it, it's natural. It's mm-hmm. conversation time. It's no big thing. And, you know, who doesn't? Vacuuming the house. I talk to a lot of guys who do that. A uh, wash the windows, help the kids with homework. Uh, you know, all that stuff. I think... There are places we can step in and do things, and too often it's kind of easy to step back because it'll get done, mm-hmm. usually. The trouble is that some of these things we should be doing. Do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, ain't that big a deal. All right. That, that's what I mean by that. <laughs> so it's an active service thing, going back to... Very much so, but it gets real practical, mm-hmm. you know? And there's some zones, too, where when we get to talking about women eventually, uh, there's some places where they could step up a little bit. Changing the oil in your wife's car. Great idea, because in our house, it isn't going to happen if I don't do it. <laughs> Doesn't think about it. But, you know, it's just it's a simple thing. Check the numbers. Get it done. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some places where we could be really helpful. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to talk about stuff like that, because you know, we've got, we sometimes struggle with this load sharing in our marriage. But when you step back and, you know, you read this list, and almost everything on the list I either do or, like, exclusively I do, or uh, we do together. You know, um, something she does more would be she does the laundry. She does the laundry almost every day. Sometimes I help. Sometimes she just does it. Dishes are kind of uh, you know we kind of developed a system we try to keep up with. But as soon as the dishwasher is done running, we put the dishes away, and that gives us an empty dishwasher to put the dirty stuff in. Great. Kind of lightens the load for everybody. Great. But. Even though, I mean, this isn't an exhaustive list, so there are other things that need to get done. And You know, I, I think since the day I met my wife, I can't remember more than... I can probably count on one hand all the time she's mowed the grass. <laughs> but it's not <laughs> an issue. Fine. It gets mowed. And, well, you know, what about the world of protection? Uh, I think that comes under this area, too, of mm-hmm. practical love. Um, you're pretty big on protection. I think uh, you've paid attention to that world, and I've tried yep. to get, get pretty good at the whole thing. But it's physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You know, it's a lot broader than what we think. But the physically is pretty real. Mm-hmm. Like, home is safe. Uh, chivalry is alive. You know, every once in a while, I catch my wife's door for her car. I almost get an applause every <laughs> once in a while. you got to be careful. I mean, some women don't want you to ever catch a door for them. I mean, it's a culture thing. Yeah. My wife, yeah, it's, she likes that. Okay. But if it works out, we do it. Okay. Yeah. I had a thing in here about even if she's an enemy. And that's kind of where I was going with my train of thought was that we as men, we know how fallen we are and we know how how much we have to work on things, but sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the fact that our wives are equally as fallen and maybe they've got different issues to work on. But Okay, let me take it to the... What do they call it? The total extrapolation? I mean, you know, uh, to the absurdity ad, practically? Ad, argumentum ad absurdum? Re- reductio ad absurdum. Reductio okay. ad absurdum. That's yeah. it. Okay. Even if she's become an enemy is what that the title would that would be. And it goes into Matthew 5, verses 44 and 45. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, 
and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Love your enemies was the point. And even if she went to that far, we still love her. Okay, so it sort of says anything in between that maybe if you do your job a little bit better and uh, truly love her, it's going to bend her. You might win her over. That would be my answer for it. I don't know if it's the mm-hmm. ultimate answer. We don't have a chance to abdicate. That's, there's, there's nothing right. I have in any scriptures to say, well, you know, you just give up, guy. <laughs> nah. Sorry. It's true. Yeah, you have to do it. Not all bad, but, you know, emotionally, there's some protection there, too. Mm-hmm. Our wives can overwork. It's really something. Um, I look at, you know, just even the simple thing of keeping a home going, you can make that a task that can never get done. If you let that bother you, that could be really difficult. I think that's a big issue. Yeah, and being in that um, stay-at-home dad position, that's something I can attest to is it's, you know, not only does my wife work, but she works hard. She works a lot of hours. She It's very draining on her and something that I I uh, recognize. I don't, maybe don't express it as, not, as much as I should, but I had fun listening to her talk about your courtship. Oh, yeah? She was really quite a student, and even her friends had to tell her, you got to go out and have some fun sometimes, because she was really <laughs> devoted to her studies. And this, this is a working person. I, I hear you. <laughs> is that true? Yes, it okay. is. Okay. Yeah, it's real. Yes, it is. Well, you know, yeah. there's another aspect to that thing, and that has to do with the emotional strain of harmful people. Sometimes some people get close to our wives. You have to, we have to step in and say, hey... That person is costing you. This is a caustic relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to protect. Yeah, I think that's part of that protection thing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, going back to my wife is interesting because she had a few friends in college. That the only reason why she had them as friends is because they were really pushing the friendship. Oh, she, really? She worked hard to study and to get, you know, the four point oh grade point average and whatnot and. She didn't want to take time away from that, and the only way that was going to happen, the only way that friendship was going to be nurtured was for them to step in and say, you need to take a little bit of time off here. I like it. <laughs> I thought it was, a, it was a fun story. Okay. But spiritually, too, you know, the whole challenge here in the protection, um, there's a challenge for us to pray with our wives, mm-hmm. and that's, it looks simple. It's not easy. And a lot of us, the standard phrase is, I could do better there. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I think that's an important part, and it's one I'm being challenged on. Mm-hmm. All this about read the Bible to her other day, and you know, together, and uh, block out devotional time, etc. Some of these things really look good on paper. Uh, she would nod if she were sitting here saying, "Yes, I would like to do that." And we have to really work on it to make it happen. There's a lot of things grabbing our time, and some of it are our little idols, but I think it's something that we have to look at. I like this line you got down at the very bottom of that page. You know what I'm talking about? To do this, you must know this woman. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that whole word about know, it's got so many levels in Scripture, what that word means. But no, you have to really understand her, what drives her, all the things. And you learn that through back to the original point, communicating, you know? What's driving her? Why do you care this much about this? Tell me more. I've got to hear this. Eventually, you start figuring out some parts. But she's a puzzle we'll never figure out in this <laughs> life. You know, it. you can do well, but there's always more to learn. So, 
hey, hopefully she was fascinating to start with, and she gets more fascinating as we go along. So, you know, keep listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. It's interesting going from courtship to marriage when you you spend that time getting to know this person, and you, you seem to know them really well. And then after you get married, a lot of times... And it goes both ways, but they end up being different people. Yeah, but what changed? Um, you know, for us, I think, I don't know, I, the most difficult period of our marriage ever has to be the first six weeks. <laughs> really? I, okay. I, and she might disagree, I don't know. But I look back, we had a week with our honeymoon, mm-hmm. and it went fantastic. I mean, could have been different, but it couldn't have been much better. But then coming back that next six weeks, transitioning from being boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, to being husband, wife, and especially in our situation, I was living and working an hour away, and then now we get married, and and now I move in, and we go from seeing each other once or twice a week to living together. He doesn't go home. (laughs) I don't go home, that's right. I mean, we used to joke about the midweek visit. That was the big thing. Kind of the highlight of our week was once in a great, you know, maybe once a month or every two months, we'd have a midweek visit where we'd make that hour drive. One of us would make that hour drive to spend a couple hours together after work. And, you know, otherwise it was Friday night and Saturday was when we'd really get to see each other. And, <laughs> and now it's it's seven days a week and years of sleeping alone and all of a sudden I've got a floppy girl next to me. <laughs> 24-7, yeah. yeah. Uh, That's good. That's real. I mean, it's transition. It's, it's real. Yep. It is. I mean, it's it's not that she was different. It was just that there's different... There's part to your, your wife, your spouse, that you you can't see until you're married, If especially if you're doing things the right way, holding off intimate relations until after you're married and you're not living together. They're just things you're not going to know about a person until you spend that kind of time with them. It's real. No, it's real. <laughs> okay. You know, we're not going to get a chance to go after finances very much, but I think it's really important. And from a male we, point... Yeah, we should at least touch on that. That's, well, from from a... Uh, I, you know, I leave it, in, again, on the husband's side to at least say, hey, we've got to get this thing under control. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a story that uh, my wife has heard me tell enough that she won't feel bad when she hears this one, but we had uh, started out and we we're doing pretty well, and then the credit cards came along, and uh, we had enough that we were having the credit card debt, the uh, whatever the extra on the thing, was enough that it was a night out a week, a, a month, night out a month. Okay. You know, that was the amount of the interest, whatever the deal was. Oh, wow. Well, it wasn't that much in those days, but it was enough to have a night out. You know, so whatever it is now, a good relative term. And uh, I thought, this is ridiculous. we got to pay that off. Well, as we thought about that, we thought, well, you know, we better do better with our finances. We must be not paying too close attention that we would even have that much credit card stuff. And so we got that taken care of, got it, you know, fixed. But then we looked at it and thought we needed a budget. So I read a book and did some things and said, okay, I'll figure this thing out. How much do we make? How much do we spend? I laid it out in two pieces of paper, put it in front of her, and said, okay, what does that tell you? And she said, you're not making enough. (laughs) (laughs) 
It was just a straight, you know, this wasn't being funny. She just looked at it and said, you know, there's well, I want to go political on that one, especially in light of our current situation, but I'll, I'll stay away from that one. But it was interesting because what she knew was that she felt she was under control in her spending, and me too, you know, that mm-hmm. we weren't doing anything really bizarre. We weren't living high off the hog. I mean, it was no big deal. Yeah. But it really said, hey, get out the Kleenex because we have to clean up this thing and make sure that the spending is less than the income. Yeah. Okay. To do that, it's like what everybody should be doing. And uh, credit card debt, the problem is, there's a statement made, is that that stuff is so high that 30% of credit card holders pay off entire balance each month. Less than. But, you know, you get into all the stuff that goes with that stuff, and so many people will never be able to pay off what they have there. I mean, that's why bankruptcies are so high. Mm-hmm. Watch out. Be careful. Get a hold of this thing. And then I think the number was 78% of divorces involve the finances. Well, how about if you took away that pressure? You know, would that help at marriages? I think it would. So I think, anyway, I put a big deal on it. I think people should have a budget. I think they should work it out. They should live by it. And the problem, by the way, guys, it's us. Women incrementally, little problems, you know, they overspend on a little bit. We underspend huge Things are bad, so we go buy a boat. You know, I mean, it's goofy. We buy a new car, thirty thousand bucks. What? Well, you know, I need. I got to feel better about myself. Yeah, you just sunk the boat. Mm-hmm. This is pathetic. Anyway, we're I, the problem. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of a little saying that uh, I heard from Kent Hovind years ago. You know, do, do I Kent, Kent Hovind, Doctor no. Dino. Oh, okay. He's a, he he was on the speaking circuit years ago for uh, Young Earth Creationism. And he said, if your income is less than your outgo, your upkeep will be your downfall. <laughs> I've heard that. The nose from him. Okay. Yeah, that's great. But I do think this is something that, to the point where if we had to do some teaching in the churches even, I think that we should help people do it. It's not easy, and very few people that I talk to have real budgets. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't know how you do it. So now we created it. We still do it. Um, We keep pretty good track, and we know pretty much where it's going, and it's worked out pretty well for us. So just an encouragement to everybody. You are going to do this as a Sunday school, adult Sunday school. Going to do it at Um, the end of the month, yes. end of the month. So uh, that'll be a few weeks after this gets posted. We're recording right now on September 8th. And, uh, 2011. 2011. And I hope to have this posted. Uh, it's Thursday, so tomorrow would be Friday. I hope to have it posted by the end of the day, Friday, but certainly by Saturday, the, the 10th. Your Sunday school, though, will be, you're scheduled for the 25th? 25th and October yeah, 2nd. October 2nd. And if I, if I remember after that happens, I will go back to the show notes and post a link to that oh excellent city fellowship website if i don't remember and you're hearing this after that please send me an email (laughs) and remind me good Uh, i think it'll be good it'll have a little bit more of the specifics and you'll have you'll have more time to go over it you do we've done one hour you'll do about two two right and it'll be i think some of the questions from the floor are always excellent in a case like that yeah and the trouble is, is people will want to talk about submission, and then we're going to have. Well, a you know, I issue. told you when we were going to do this that I said I, I, this it's kind of a beg the question situation, but um, we're going to have to get into 
uh, at least touch on that. And mm-hmm. I think I, you're off the hook because I don't think we really have time to do that. <laughs> I didn't have a problem, and I think we did touch it just in the fact that 521 says that we're all to submit to one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, wives are to submit to their husbands, yes, but the the husbands have the job. Love your wives. You know, it would be a great podcast follow-up, hmm. you know, maybe sometime in the future. Have my wife and your wife do the other side of the equation. <laughs> <laughs> my wife is going to talk to a lawyer on the air. Are you kidding me? <laughs> she would have fun with it. But it would be more so over uh, a cup of coffee in the kitchen. Okay, hey, that'd be yeah, fun. Uh, it's you know, not you know, the, happen, but it would be fun if it did. No, it would be uh, a fun thing. Uh, is just where this thing started, and it starts with Ephesians five twenty five. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself up for her. That's our driving force. That's our focus. That's how we do it. Nothing to this game, right? <laughs> I would spend an entire life trying to live up to that. Absolutely. Hey, it's fun discussion. Thank yeah. you. Anything you want to close with? Just okay. that. You want to touch on? All right. Well, thank you, Dick. I appreciate your time for coming in on a Thursday afternoon and spending the afternoon with me, and I appreciate the effort you put into this. I look forward to uh, hearing the Sunday school. As I said, we have a hard time with three young children getting to it, but I look forward to at least being able to put it on the Apple TV and listen. At the worst, we'll listen to it on your site. Okay. <laughs> now, this is fun. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. That wraps up episode 41. Thanks for listening. For show notes for this episode, as well as scripture references and additional resources on the topic, please visit echozoe.com slash 41. I'm not yet sure what's in store for next month's episode, but Lord willing, I'll be back with one, and I'll see you then. <laughs>